0: life audio
1: hello and thank you for listening to your daily bible verse the podcast that examines a verse each day to learn about god and his will for our lives i'm joshua Lilly, and after the short word from our sponsor we'll take a look at today's verses
0: when we point people to him, they're going to want to know him.
1: Listen to Words of Life on your favorite podcast store or visit podcast.org. Today's Bible verses are Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, but we'll start in verse 1 to get a better picture. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And now for verses 2 and 3. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The text keeps going here, and I encourage you to read through it all on your own. But we'll stop here for now. Let me start by saying, this blurb about Jesus at the start of this New Testament letter is not just eloquent or poetic writing about some great teacher. You just heard a description of someone worth putting your faith in and basing your life around. We just jumped right into the opening words of Hebrews, one of the books of our New Testament in the Bible written to, well, Hebrews, people of ethnic Jewish origin living in the first century A.D., drawing on themes from their shared understanding of Israel's history and the Hebrew Bible, our Old Testament. I won't be covering these themes too much, but I at least want to expound on what the author of Hebrews invited their audience into, and what God is inviting you into, and that is perpetually elevating the name of Jesus. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. God's pattern in the Old Testament was to reveal and communicate his will for his people through prophets, who are often unlikely people empowered to call Israel back to repentance. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. And here is the thesis statement, the hook to hang your hat on. That God has communicated and he has done so through Jesus. In these last days was a common phrase uh, found in the New Testament. It's the age of the church, the movement launched by a resurrected Jesus. And it's considered by followers of Jesus to be taking place in the last days until Jesus comes back to restore all things. And uh, even now, we live in it and are told to, quote, always be ready because the Son of Man, that is Jesus, will come at an hour when you do not expect him, end quote, from Matthew 24, verse 44. And what this implies is that God's communication with humanity through Jesus is exceedingly sufficient until the end of the age. Not that God can't reveal his will through the words of his church or through the world around us. Scripture tells us that these things are constantly chattering of his glory. But that God has shared himself fully with us through Jesus. There's a culmination, a finality to it. Let's continue. His son, whom he appointed heir of all things. If you're familiar with the Bible and have read any of the gospel accounts, that is Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you might have noticed that Jesus comes from a poor family. He held no political power, led no armies, and otherwise didn't have much money to his name. He was a lowly person and was put to death on a Roman cross by his own people. However, Jesus' resurrection from the dead would have validated all of his claims of being one with the Father, found in John 10, verse 30, or existing before the world was made, in John 17, verse 5. And Hebrews chapter 1 affirms Jesus' divinity, that this lowly yet divine person is literally the one to whom all things are owed. And that's a bold claim. This world, you, me, all of our things, much of the stuff we cling to so dearly or so desperately, it belongs to Jesus. He's the rightful heir. Let that sink in as we keep going. His son, through whom he also made the universe. Another powerful claim that is hard to wrap your mind around if you think of Jesus as just a human. God made the world through Jesus. The other New Testament authors seem to believe this. Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians, "...for in him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities." All things have been created through him and for him. And that is Colossians 1, verse 16. In fact, the first chapter of John's gospel account refers to Jesus as the Word, which was a powerful philosophical statement in the first century Greek thought. We can start to connect the dots when we read the first few sentences of the book of Genesis, where God creates the heavens and the earth using his word. All things were made through Jesus. Now for verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. There's often much confusion about Jesus being both God's son and God himself. It is quite the conundrum. But... It makes sense that a creator God, pre-existing all things and being himself uncreated, would baffle us. If we take the words of Hebrews seriously, we could liken Jesus to the rays emanating from the sun, that is S-U-N, and the warmth felt by it, radiance. We could also think of Jesus as a footprint or imprint like the stamp or seal from a signet ring an exact representation of God. This lines up with the claim that God has revealed himself to the world completely through Jesus. And Jesus sustains all things by his powerful word, that creative force that sparked the universe, the God particle of quantum physics and the glue that holds the cosmos together. But Jesus is not just some impersonal adhesive force. No, this language of sustaining all things gives us a picture that he actively holds all things together. This is especially significant when you think of the lowly Jesus in a manger or the crucified Christ crying out from the cross, the pigs that ate from the manger, the crowds crying out, the wood from which the cross was made, all actively sustained by Jesus. In our last statement, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus did not just give good moral lessons for people to pass on or abide by. He accomplished a work that we could not. He paved a way for life and freedom from the sin that mars the world. Purification. Jesus provided cleansing for the world he made and holds together, and the world that is owed to him. And after doing so, he sat down, much like God did when he rested over creation on the seventh day. In Genesis, God was enthroning himself over all the universe. Here, we see that Jesus sits on the same throne. He is our cosmic king, not just for the Hebrews but for all of the heavens and the earth. Let's pray. King Jesus, thank you for holding us together and cleansing us from both the evil we experience and the evil we perpetuate. Teach us to forgive as you forgave. And may we ever always exalt your name above all others. Amen.